Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Check one, two. Is this on? And if you immediately started singing DX slash X-Pax music from the 1990s, then you're in the right place. Welcome to a Tuesday Night Jaw mini episode with just me, Jim Smallman, here on my own in my house in North Wales. Uh, The wife's gone out, I've got a list of your questions in front of me and a few other little bits and bobs I want to talk about. Before I get to all that, listen, first episode of Tuesday Night Jaw with uh, the guests, Scroobius Pip, of course, whose wonderful Distraction Pieces Network this show is on, uh, plus Nathan Caton, wonderful comedian, and uh, Ginny, excellent wrestler from the Progress roster. Um, the first episode did really great, like better than I think we expected it to do. And that's thanks to you guys downloading it and endorsing it and tweeting about it and using the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw to tell the entire world about it. And we appreciate that. Please keep doing it because word of mouth is the single greatest thing that we can use in order to get this podcast over, uh, to use wrestling terminology, and just to popularise the Distraction Pieces Network. So it's, I'm super pleased that you've all been so excited and so on board with episode one. But we're going to do a big episode every month. I'm going to drop mini episodes like this as often as I can. Just keep telling people. Um, if you happen to be on iTunes, just like give us a little review or rate it out of however many stars you want. I mean, there's no subliminal uh, advertising here, but it should be five. Should be five stars. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to go through some stuff today. I'm going to try and drop these mini episodes as much as I can um, because I'm aware that a month is seems a long time to wait between episodes. But obviously, we want to anchor them around when the WWE pay per views just happened. Um, they're only once a month, so I'm going to do one of these mini episodes at least every couple of weeks. Do you know what? If something really cool happens, I'll do one as and when they need doing. If I'm sat with someone really awesome to chat to about wrestling, I'll take my little portable recorder that I'm recording this on now and we'll have a natter and I'll put it up. That's the joy of Tuesday Night Jaw. As long as it goes up on a Tuesday, I don't want to confuse you by putting it out on a different day. And it's, you know, I'll be honest with you, I was quite quiet yesterday on a Monday, but that's not good enough. So... A few little things I want to cover. So, since the last episode, a few things have happened in the world of wrestling. Now, the first thing I want to talk about, I don't, I don't want to set a glum tone uh, with what I'm going to talk about, and I'm aware that this is something that is possibly going to make me quite emotional because it involves a friend of mine. Now, Chris Travis, wonderful British wrestler, passed away at the age of 32 a few weeks ago. <clears throat> it was his funeral last week that myself and my wife went to, um, along with pretty much all of the British wrestling community. Now, this would be this would be a perfect time to get maudlin and, and and be sad about stuff, but I don't think that's the right thing to do. Anyone who knew Trav knew that he was just the life and soul of the party. He's one of the funniest people that I've ever had the joy of spending time with. It's strange in that 
mine and his friendship, he did work for Progress um, because of his his cancer that he he beat once and then had his last match ever for Progress and then um, and then unfortunately succumbed to cancer again and had to retire. Now he didn't wrestle loads and loads for Progress. He was part of a wonderful tag team with Martin Kirby called Project Ego for quite a lot uh, of his time with us. Had uh, just the one singles match, which was his last match uh, against Marty Skill for us. Now. I wasn't friends with him because he wrestled for our wrestling company. I was friends with him because he was a good dude. When he got sick, um, he lived in Sheffield, and I used to perform in Sheffield doing stand-up quite a lot. So whenever I was in Sheffield, I'd drop him a line and say, hey, do you want to come and hang out and watch comedy? And he'd come along, bring his wife. They'd have a good time. We'd have a bit of a natter afterwards. And then, because he knew I liked football, we'd often text about football. He was a big Sheffield Wednesday fan. Uh, We once went to watch the oldest football club in uh, Britain, uh, or in the world even, Sheffield FC, which was a quite hilarious game where we spent most of the time mocking an incredibly fat centre forward. So he was a he was a great guy, um, and it, it, it's heartbreaking to know that someone who was so well thought of and really on the cusp of doing amazing things in wrestling had to pass away at such a young age. What is very positive is how many people from the British wrestling world went to his funeral, like hundreds, and. It was amazing seeing how supportive the British wrestling community is. This is the thing that I really take away from it. It sucks massively that we've lost one of our own and someone as amazing as Chris Travis. What is amazing is seeing how so many people around the British wrestling community, whether they were friends with Travel or not, rallied around to look after his... You know, he's got some really, really good friends, people he was super close to, and people have really rallied around. Those guys have made sure that they're okay... And it was just wonderful to see British wrestling all supporting each other. There's a question I get asked a lot about how we get on with other promotions. And I was uh, stood next to uh, Ben Old from Southside, who runs Southside, um, for most of the funeral. And I was stood next to him, and we're mates. We got on well, and both of us were gutted about about Chris dying. I mean, if anything, Chris had a a stellar career within Southside and PCW up in Preston as well. Um, So... It was amazing to see promoters, wrestlers, families of wrestlers just wanting to go along and lend their support. And people who couldn't be there making sure that they gave their support as well. So I didn't really mention him on the on the first full episode. But I really wanted to make sure that I made a point about talking about Trav um, today. One thing I want to quickly say before I move on to the next point is we, as Progress, we put up uh, a show for free for a few days on uh, demand-progress.com and the match that we put the whole show that we put up it was chapter 10 and it featured the funniest tag match I've ever seen uh, Madman Manson now sadly retired and Grado against Project Ego it is one of the most hilarious comedy matches I have ever seen and this was the joy of Trav he could be a fantastic wrestler and was had amazing matches certainly a series of matches with, with Kevin Owens which were absolutely wonderful and he could do that but he could do comedy as well he would do anything that he was asked to do and he'd do it to the very best of his ability but while me and my wife were watching that match back and reminiscing about what a cool dude he was we happened to remember my wife's single greatest memory of Trav and it's something I might end up getting tattooed on me along with his little three stars um, thing and that was once in one of our matches and I forget it might have been our, our fans were chanting something that involved swearing at Trav as is often their way and in his lovely Yorkshire accent he turned around to them and just went what are you swearing for and for a long time if I say that to my wife I know that she'd just cry with laughter straight away because it was it was just his comic timing for someone who wasn't a comedian was genuinely brilliant and his ability in the ring will be sadly missed so you know rest in peace Trav mate uh, I you know I know that you were suffering for the last couple of months of your life but I tell you what one of the bravest people I have ever met you and you know anyone who's had to suffer through cancer you know how hard it is but I tell you what Trav did it with a smile on his face and did loads of stuff for Cavendish Cancer Care which is a charity that helped looked after him so you know he will be sadly missed by me everyone at Progress everyone involved in British wrestling so I wanted to just make sure that I had a little bit of a chat with Trav uh, about Trav rather with you before we got on to other stuff now Trav's going to be mentioned in this next little bit. Um, Will Ospreay made his debut in Japan, which is fantastic. He made his debut um, for New Japan 
in, and if you've not seen it, it's on New Japan World, which I would heartily recommend you subscribe to. Oh my lord, what a great match. I'm not going to spoil who, who won between Kushida and Will Ospreay, but oh my lord, what a match that is. If you're going to make a debut, that's how you make a debut. Well done, William. I'll just give you a little round of applause there. Also well done to you for wearing pink tights. It's your first match in a company. You don't normally wear pink. Wearing tights dedicated to Chris Travis because he was your friend is an amazing thing to do and shows what a fantastic young man Will Ospreay is. I often forget he's 22 years old. He was Progress Champion. He's now wrestling in New Japan. He's 22. He's only been wrestling for four and a bit years. He's an unbelievably talented young man, but his head is screwed on, and that's what's amazing to see. Going out there to Japan... And in you know, just saying, do you know what? I'm going to go out there and wear a tribute to one of my friends on my debut in a huge company. That's an incredibly great thing to do. And that match itself, Kushida against Osprey, is unbelievably good. Um, you'll know exactly what I mean if you've seen it. Just, just tweet me uh, at Jim Smallman. Use hashtag Tuesday Night Joe. Just tweet me a picture of your face whilst watching Osprey Kushida if you haven't watched it yet. Watch it. Tweet me a picture of your face. Trust me, you will pull astonished faces at at least one point. I'm going to mention one move that he does in the match in a conversation that evolved with my wife. Um, There's a point, there's a sequence in the match, and if you don't want to know anything about the match, just don't listen for the next 30 seconds. There's a sequence in the match where Kushida does a handspring, and then Will does a no-hands handspring. Yeah, I know, it's hard to imagine. Uh, Me and my wife start watching it going, what? Well, if that's a ha- if Kushida's is a handspring and then Will does it without hands, is that a handspring? But not using his hands. So my wife has deduced that it's just a spring. It's amazing. Um, being quite good friends with Will, he has a move. It's <laughs> just he's got a move where he super kicks it. He'll sus- he'll suspend a guy in the corner, pull their head down, so they're kind of tucked underneath themselves. If that makes sense, does that make sense? Um, and then he'll super kick them. And that move, you, if you've seen him do it, you'll know what it is. It's difficult to explain without me. I'm pointing, and you can't see me pointing. But he does this move, and it's called the Cheeky Nando's Kick. And his one ambition was to get a Japanese commentator to scream Cheeky Nando's Kick. Um, you know, I cannot reveal whether or not that did or did not happen. Another Japanese connection is finally... Bullet Club, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, no longer Doc Gallows, um, have uh, debuted on Raw, which I think we all expected them to do. When we did the last main episode of Tuesday Night Jaw, I think we expected to be talking about it and we expected them to have debuted on the Raw straight after WrestleMania. But they didn't. They have now debuted. It means we've all seen the magic killer being done uh, on an episode of Raw on the Usos, which is is pretty sweet. Uh, They did appear again on, on Raw this week, in London, which many of you may or may not have gone to. Um, I, it's the first Raw I've missed in a long time. Um, I, I couldn't go because I was working. But it's it's great that they're now appearing. Um, it's interesting that there seems to be a bit of intrigue between them and AJ Styles, which is is interesting. Rather than just going straight in and going, here's your storyline, this is what we're doing, we're just going to reunite something that happened in Japan. There's now intrigue. AJ Styles could go one way or the other. I think that's very, very interesting indeed. Um, it'd be great to see them in the tag division because New Day are brilliant. I love New Day and they're an entertaining act, but I don't think they get to be tag team wrestlers as much as as I would like, certainly, because I know all three of them are super talented and I would happily watch them wrestle, but because they've gotten over by being so funny and so entertaining, that's a big part of what they now do. And I think the rest of the tag team division, Enzo and Cass are there, which is great. Vaudevillains are there, which is great. I, I think... There's a lot of interest. And don't forget, the Usos are still a fantastic tag team, if maybe, possibly, just a little bit stale because they've been doing the same thing for a little while. So I think there's now a lot of scope for tag team wrestling to kick on. I hope so, because seeing Anderson and Gallows, the amount of matches I've watched of theirs in New Japan that are absolutely off the chain amazing. Let's really hope that we get matches of that quality in WWE. And there's no reason to suggest that we won't. Let's just keep our fingers crossed. Right, correction slash amendment from the last main episode. The four of us didn't know why 
Shinsuke Nakamura's finisher, Bomie was now called Kinshasa. And we had a good laugh about the fact that Kinshasa is the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Now, as soon as the episode had gone up, I got, conservatively, 10 million tweets from people explaining to me why the move move name change has happened. So, Kinshasa is the capital... And and apologies, I can't list everyone's names who told me this, because it was literally a million of you. So, Kinshasa is the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo. The Democratic Republic of Congo used to be called Zaire. Kinshasa is where the Rumble in the Jungle boxing match was. And the audience at that chanted Bomaye, which means kill him. Now, obviously, WWE PG, so they couldn't call the move Bomaye because it means kill him. So instead, as a harking back to why it's called Bomaye, it's called Kinshasa. There is a link between what it was called previously, what it's called now. It shows the heritage of thinking about it. I heartily approve of this. I am no longer mocking this decision. I'm completely fine with it because you, they, WWE have sorted it out. Now, as long as you know that explanation, it's fine. If you don't know that explanation, then you're probably slightly confused. But now I know. I think the whole world has probably been told about it via social media, but I'm telling you, dear Tuesday Night Jaw listener, that's why it's called what it's called. We all clear? Good. We're all clear. What I'm going to try and do in all these mini-episodes, I'm going to try and do a little top five list of matches for things you can perhaps go back and see or or, or consider or, or come up with your own top five li- list yourself, which you're more than welcome to tweet to me at Jim Smallman, hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. I got asked, a f- I, I, I basically said, give me some suggestions for top five match lists. And a few people said, your five favourite matches of all time, which is difficult because they change all the time. My top five progress matches of all time, which again is difficult because they change all the time. And also, when I'm at ringside during a progress show, I'm often too nervous and too wound up in what's going on in the show to actually enjoy the matches as much as the audience are. Because I love our wrestling company, but it is kind of my job. So it's difficult to perhaps appreciate them on the same level as you guys because I'm spending most of my time panicking, hoping no one gets hurt and that everything that's meant to happen in the match happens. So I had a fair few suggestions for lists. Two people, I'm not going to name them, but you know you are, asked me to name my uh, five favourite bra and panty matches of all time, which I'm not going to indulge you in because, well, first of all, it's the objectification of women and second of all, let's be honest, there's never been a good bra and panties match. So, Connor Willis. Connor, well done. You came up with the best suggestion for this mini-episode of Tuesday Night Jaw. You asked my top five matches that I watched at ringside. Now, when you say at ringside, I'm not as lucky as Progress co-owner Glenn Joseph to always be on the front row of WWE events. So, therefore, some of these... Um, I wasn't necessarily at ringside, but I was live there. So these I've amended it. These are my five favourite matches I've watched live. Now, I set myself a limit. I was only putting one progress match in those five. I could I could be a cheat and over put over my company, but I'm not going to do that. I'm also, and I'll explain why I've chosen this progress match. It's not necessarily my favourite progress match, but I'll explain a little bit more when I get to it. So, number five. This is going to sound like a weird one because it's a TNA match. But in 2008, um, I got a phone call from my friend Chris Brooker. Now, if you know Chris, he's the guy who runs Eros Comedy, who brings wrestlers over for tours. So he organised William Regal's tour that I was part of last week. I was in Manchester. Um, he, He did show in Manchester and a show in Nottingham. Chris is one of my very, very best friends. He's just turned 40. Uh, it was great going to his, his birthday party after our Progress Manchester show. Uh, it was brilliant because it was a party full of comedians and wrestlers, which is my two worlds colliding. Now, Chris is the reason that I'm as involved with wrestling as I am now. And the reason for this is, in 2008, he rang me up and said, Hey, Jim, you live near Coventry, because I did at the time. And he said, Do you want to come with me and a couple of other friends to go and see TNA's live house show in Coventry at the Skydome. And I said, why yes, I am a wrestling fan, but I'd not been to see live wrestling for quite some time at that point. A long time. Probably 1998 was my last time prior to that, I think. Maybe 99. 
So we went along to the Coventry Skydome and we watched an absolutely tremendous TNA show. It was genuinely really, really good. There was a point where we made Homicide crack up uh, by chanting Wellness Programme at P.T. Williams and Homicide totally broke character and started laughing, which was great. And then um, there was a main event. Now, the main event was Samoa Joe, who was for a long time one of my favourite indie wrestlers in Ring of Honour, and was at that point TNA champion, and he wrestled Booker T. And I'll be honest, I know Booker T's good. He's perfectly good at what he does. I wasn't a massive Booker T fan. Also, this is a house show. It's not being filmed. They don't necessarily need to go all out at it. They did. What we got was a 20-minute long match where two guys absolutely leathered each other, and I came away from it as much in love with wrestling as I'd ever been. And from that point onwards, started watching wrestling live all the time. So it's not just that that's a good match. This is on the list because it it renewed my love of wrestling. And if Chris hadn't have got me as, as involved with wrestling and had me supporting wrestlers when he's brought them over on tours and went to watch wrestling with me, I wouldn't have been as into wrestling when John said to me, hey, we should start running a wrestling company. So Chris is a big reason that progress exists. Fair play to him. Um, and I will always be super grateful to him for that. Number four on the list, um, I'm going to go with a progress match. Now, it's from chapter 13, which you ideally get demand as progress, watch all of our, our shows for a fiver. But this is up for free. It's on YouTube. Just search progress chapter 13 if you want to know what we're about. Go and watch this match, a whole show for free. Now, the match that I'm talking about is Prince Devitt, who now knows Finn Balor, against Zack Sabre Jr. The reason this is on above any other progress match is this was a match that where I didn't need to worry about storylines or anyone getting hurt or any gimmicks or anything during the match. I could actually stand at ringside and watch this match and appreciate it. Now, if you watch the entrance, it's quite a famous entrance um, for Finn Balor slash... Prince Devitt, because this is the one where he's dressed as the Joker. I think it's our most watched video on the Progress YouTube channel. It's like half a million hits. And I didn't know he was dressed as the Joker because he didn't tell me. I knew he was getting painted up backstage, but I didn't know he was going to be the Joker. I didn't know he was going to look as amazing as he did when he came out. So when you watch the intro to this match, you can see me, little me, ring announcing, marking out. Like, you would, you could not believe how much I was marking out. Because it's two of my favourite wrestlers. I think Zack Sabre Jr. is a wonderful, amazingly talented human being. A, a great exponent of the British style of wrestling. And because I like my Japanese wrestling, I know how successful he's been in Noah. To have him and Prince Devitt in the same ring was mind-blowing. It's not a particularly long match. I think maybe 12, 13 minutes. But these are two guys who are just, still are. At the very top of the game. And watching it was an absolute joy. And it was a pleasure to be able to introduce them. It was a pleasure to have them both in our company at the same time. And they've both wrestled for the company since. And it wonderful. A wonderful, wonderful match. And one of the very few times at a progress show I knew I could just sit back and enjoy the artistry that was being presented in front of me. And I also know from a company standpoint, it's a match that turned a lot of people onto progress as a product. So I'm both grateful to it as a fan who could enjoy it and grateful to that match as a promoter because I know that it's made a lot more people tune into our products. Number three. It's going to be a slightly obscure on this. I went to WrestleMania in 2012. And anyone who goes to WrestleMania will know that a huge part of the joy of those few days is going to all the other stuff. And I don't necessarily mean access, which holds not the most interest for me. And I don't necessarily mean going to the Hall of Fame, which whilst is a great landmark occasion, isn't necessarily my cup of tea because I have to put a suit on and sit down and be quiet. I mean going to indie shows. And in 2012, I popped along to WrestleCon and I decided to go along because a lot of shows were being held in the same place. And in the same building as WrestleCon, in the same room as WrestleCon that year, it's a bigger event now, was Dragon Gate USA's Mercury Rising. So I went along to watch that. It was brilliant. Top to bottom, brilliant. I love Dragon Gate's product. I love it in Japan. I think it's absolutely wonderful. And the main event of that show was stupendous. There was a lot of great multi-man matches on that show. Um, there was also uh, Sammy Callahan, who we named yesterday as the first 
entrance in Progress's strong, super strong style 16 tournament in May. Um, he was in a, a surprisingly brilliant match with Sabu. Not because I'm not, I'm surprised at Sammy Callahan being brilliant. I know he's brilliant. That's why we booked him. But because Sabu, bless him, is a little bit past his prime. Even in 2012, he was a little bit past his prime. But they had a great match. But the match I'm talking about, and I think you can seek it out. I've, I believe it was filmed for DVD, so you can probably get it maybe at highspots.com. Um, was... And it's Pack on one side, Pack. Uh, now, of course, uh, Adrian Neville, um, Ricochet, who is tremendous, and uh, Masaki uh, Mochizuki against Akira Tozawa, BB Hulk, and Loki. Now, if you're an indie mark like I am, and you're really into your Japanese wrestling, that is proper pantwettingly great. And the whole match was nuts. I mean, I try and describe the match, but you've heard the six people who are in it. It's nuts. It's just nuts. I mean, if you like an indie spot fest, this is for you. And I do like an indie spot fest. Not all the time. But if you're going to do them, do them this well. It's a tremendous, tremendous match. As an aside, Colt Cabana, this was a week after our first ever progress show. And Colt was on our first show. And he introduced me to Akira Tozawa, among many other people. I told the story about meeting El Generico on the last full Tuesday Night Jaw episode. So he introduced me to Akira Tozawa. Now, Akira Tozawa does not speak much English. And we had a conversation that went like this. Uh, Me, I'd go, hello, Akira. It's lovely to meet you. I'm a big fan of your work. And he said, nice to meet you. And I went, yes. He said, have you been to Miami before? And I said, no. And he said, many blonde women here. And I said, yes, there is, Akira. And he said, I like blonde women. And then just wandered off towards the pool where some blonde women were sitting. We saw him again later on for his match, but I don't know what happened in the interim. Number two on the list um, is WrestleMania 2012. I just mentioned I was there. Um, this is why I put in the not a ringside proviso, because the other matches, I was at ringside. This match, I was not a ringside. I had a $350 ticket, but I was conservatively a million miles away and had a giant palm tree in my way, if you remember the Miami WrestleMania. Um, the match I'm talking about is not the Hell in a Cell match, which I think is what most people would point to, Triple H against The Undertaker. I, I enjoyed that, but because of how far away I was, it was difficult to get as much enjoyment out of it because of the cell structure being in the way. The match I enjoyed most on that show, and still think is a great match now and stands up, was CM Punk against Chris Jericho. The match where if CM Punk got disqualified, he'd lose his title. It was a great match. I'm a massive mark for CM Punk. I really am. He's one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. And I love Jericho as well. So, And I know Jericho is, of course, a friend of the Distraction Pieces Network, having been on Pip's Distraction Pieces podcast a little while ago. Now, I think that match is great. It's a properly great match. 22 minutes, I think it is. Fantastic match. And, And I think because earlier in the show, the smart wrestling fans like me had been gutted to see Daniel Bryan lose his title in 18 seconds... I think I, I somehow expected the worst from this match and I didn't need to worry about it. It was great. And it was sandwiched between a Hell in a Cell match and the main event of John Cena against The Rock, which wasn't too bad either. But that's the match that takes it for me from that show. And then I think possibly my favourite match that I've watched at ringside that I could enjoy, hence you know the, the progress proviso, is from NXT TakeOver London last December, wasn't it? Um and that is Samoa Joe against Finn Balor. Two men have already been mentioned on this list so far. Two men who've actually both wrestled for progress. Two men I consider to be to be friends. And watching them both go at it in front of one of the liveliest crowds you'll ever watch wrestling with uh, at the Wembley Arena was just absolutely brilliant. I think the story that they told uh, with Finn Balor winning but having to really overcome an absolute monster in Samoa Joe was fantastic. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal match. Um, I think as good as the match that they had at TakeOver Dallas um, but obviously I wasn't ringside for that one so it doesn't count for this list but I think that's a tremendous list so that's me five five matches I watched live that's my little top five if you want to suggest the top five for the next mini episode then you know tweet me at Jim Smallman hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw just like usual and that's the way you can send me questions as well and I've got I picked ten questions I'll be honest I didn't expect the interest that I got in terms of questions, and I've got tons. 
I got tons, like hundreds. So I'll try and keep some back for the next main episode. Obviously, keep them coming into me. There's never a bad time to ask me a question. And sometimes I'll just answer on Twitter. So at Jim Smallman on Twitter, hashtag Tuesday Night Jaws. So I see them because a lot of my tweets at the minute are about football. So I don't necessarily always see the wrestling tweets unless you use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. So questions. I'm going to get to these. Uh, where possible, I've, I've taken people's names and you'll get a bit of a shout out. In some cases, I've not been able to do that because the same question has been asked by loads of people. See question one. Several people I've written down on my little sheet in front of me. What are my opinions on other UK promotions? And this is a question I get asked all the time. How do we get on with them? Because I know what you want. What you want is a load of dirt on other promotions. We get on fine. <laughs> we, we, we keep ourselves to ourselves where we have to. Sometimes you have to share talent with people. So if a guy's coming over from America to make it more cost effective, what you'll often need to do is share the cost of flights with another promotion or two promotions or three promotions. And that means you just build up acquaintances with them. There's some promotions that I will actively go and watch their shows if I can't... It's difficult for me to watch wrestling. Our shows are on Sundays for a reason. They're on Sundays because I'm a professional stand-up comedian and I always work on a Friday and a Saturday, which means that we can't do shows on those days. Um, It also means it's difficult for me to watch shows on those days unless they're an afternoon show or I've got a rare day off. Two companies in particular I will actively seek out to go and watch because I enjoy their shows and I like the guys who run them. A PCW in Preston and Southside in many different towns. Um, I get on great with those guys because Stephen Flutter who runs PCW and Ben Alder who runs Southside are good dudes who I can chat to and have a conversation with. I know them. You know, I, I consider them to be friends. Um, outside of that, I think we're appreciative of every company that works in this country. The reason being that it's in our interest as British wrestling promoters for every single British wrestler to be able to work as much as possible and ideally be full-time. And the only way for this to happen is for the entire British wrestling community to support each other. So the point I made about Trav's funeral earlier on, where it was represented by pretty much every wrestling promotion, you know, whether they'd sent wrestlers or the owners are there or whatever, we, we do all kind of look out for each other. There's always going to be the inevitable professional jealousy that happens when, when you look at another company and go, how have they got... How have they managed to, to, to get that person wrestling for them if they've got a really exciting import or something like that? But that's just that's born out of the fact that we're fans and we just want to be able to be great all the time. I think uh, a company I would certainly, on an import front, a company I would certainly go and watch if I ever wasn't working on days when they have shows are, are Rev Pro, who've done great things in terms of bringing imports in. And again, we have a really decent relationship with those guys. You know, what we want to do, we don't ever want to make it difficult for anyone who wrestles for us to feel that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
it's awkward for them wrestling for anybody else because we don't get on with them. So we just get on with people. That's the best way of approaching it and the best way of doing things. Um, I'm also, just personally, I don't like falling out with anybody. So there's never really going to be any of that gubbins going on. I think the British wrestling scene is is tremendously exciting. I'm very clear to point out, whenever I do interviews, certainly with American podcasts or websites, that I will always put my company over. It's my job. I have to. But I'll also try and put the other companies over here. There's loads of companies who are doing good things. There's, PC, like I mentioned before, PCW, Rev Pro, Southside, ICW, NGW, um, Fight Club Pro do great things. Um, you know, there's tons and tons of great companies. Attack, Chaos. I'm going to have forgotten someone. And I'm going to feel really bad for have forgotten someone. But again, you know, we're, we're based in our own little corner of London, our own little corner of Manchester. Um, Future Shock, of course. Um, you know, so there's there's no reason for us to not get on with other people. It makes sense to get on with everybody. It makes sense to look at our own product, put our own product first, make sure our own shows are sorted out. And then wherever we can, we like to try and go and watch other people's shows because we enjoy them. We're wrestling fans. And everybody in Britain is doing great things at the minute. Nearly everybody. Um, I haven't watched everybody, so there's bound to be someone putting on shows on crash mats in front of 10 people in a bingo hall somewhere. But I've not found it yet. Don't tweet me with suggestions. I want this to be nice. So, thank you for that question. Question number two from Divaiwa. I don't know if I've pronounced that right, Divaiwa, but you don't have a real name on your Twitter, so apologies. It says, how hard is it to balance putting out a great wrestling show that still makes money? I'll tell you this, D, if I can shorten it to that. Um, It's really, ruddy hard. Really, 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 really hard. There's two reasons we don't have loads of imports on progress shows. Reason number one is there's already tons of brilliant, fantastic, enthusiastic talent in this country that we could use over imports. That's point one. You know, it's hard to develop storylines and angles if you're just flying people in every now and again. That makes it very difficult. It can often make it super exciting for fans as a special attraction. But from our point of view as a company, we prefer to use British talent because it means we can do more stuff long term with them. That's point number one. Point number two about why we don't have loads of imports on shows is they're really expensive. Not necessarily their fees that they charge, but they're really expensive in terms of you have to fly people in. Like I mentioned before, that's why you often end up sharing an import with other promotions. Now, it's we put shows on in London, which is expensive, and Manchester, which is expensive. So the venue hire and stuff like that ends up being super, super expensive. Neither me, John, or Glenn are going to become millionaires off of wrestling. Do we make some money? We do now. We, we didn't make money for maybe the first year and a half, two years of doing shows. Certainly when we were still at the garage in London and we could only sell 350 tickets, we just about broke even. Now we make a little bit of money, but what we've tried to do is invest in other things. So we've tried to invest in, you'll notice we do now have more imports on shows because we can actually afford to do so. And things like Super Strong Style 16 are a very expensive undertaking to do because it's two days. So we have to put every single member of the talent in a hotel in London, which instantly eats up all our profit. Um, And we only have more than one import on there. We might this year, we might not. Um, So it's difficult. Our priority isn't making money. I mean, all of us have other jobs. I'm a stand-up comedian and a voiceover artist and a presenter and all that other stuff. And I do this and I do do all kinds of things. John works for a newspaper as well as doing the majority of the work behind our company. Glenn is an actor and a musician as well as doing all the stuff he does with Progress. So we have other jobs. I make my living from comedy primarily And anything that I happen to earn from wrestling is a bonus. So we're still focused on doing shows that make a little bit of money so we don't bankrupt ourselves. But the focus for us is putting on the best shows possible. And that's the difficult balance. If we just wanted to put on a cheap show and make a ton of money, we could. But I don't think we'd last very long. Um, I don't think anyone would last very long if they do that. I think if you look at most companies in, in this country, it's tricky to make money because of how difficult it is to fly imports in. So from our point of view, it's hard. That's the answer to your question. It's ridiculously hard. Um, But we've just about got the balance right with a lot of hard work and a lot of effort. Um, But, you know, it's it's tricky. It really, really, really is 
tricky. Um, I hope as well, uh, Devaya, who, who asked this question, I hope you do consider our shows to be great. I really do, because um, that's my main concern. I want everyone to go home happy, and if they're not happy, no amount of money we make on that show is going to please me. I'm much more bothered about the fans' happiness than I am any money that we could make. Question three, Rob Taylor. Um, my, I want to know my favourite finishing moves. I've picked three, Rob. Um, number one, uh, the Vertebraker slash Kudo Driver slash Cop Killer. Um, Cop Killer is the best name when Homicide used to do it at Ring of Honor. I love that move. It's nearly always my finishing move on the WWE 2K games. It currently is my wrestler's finishing move on there. Um, I also love Will Ospreay's Essex Destroyer. I love the Canadian Destroyer that Petey Williams used to do. The Essex Destroyer is Will's variation on this, which, if you've not seen it, is a front flip somersault DDT, which is nuts. Um, and then my other favourite finisher is uh, Akada slash Jimmy Havoc's Rainmaker. Jimmy Havoc's is, of course, called the Acid Rainmaker, not just the regular Rainmaker. It's just something really, really beautiful about it. One of my favourite marking out moments at a progress show, was watching Rob Lynch from the London Riots reverse Jimmy Havoc's Rainmaker into a Rainmaker of his own. And I think on camera you can see my reaction to it, which is just me laughing my head off. It was beautiful. What a wonderful reversal. But a brilliant move. I love the air of inevitability it has when Okada does it in New Japan and the air of inevitability it had when Jimmy Havoc was progress champion as well. It's it's a fantastic yet simple finisher. But I'm a man, if you'll know this from the very first preview episode we did of this, I'm a man who loves a lariat. So, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna jazz up a lariat in any way, I'm probably gonna be on board. Next question. DCM. If progress could cross promote with any promotion in its prime, who would it be? Now the businessman in me says that we should obviously cross-promote with WWE in the mid-80s, and I'd now be living in a solid gold house. But that's not what I'm going to say. Um, uh, I would want to cross-promote with mid-1990s All Japan. You know the era I'm talking about. That's the era that when I got in a tape trade in and became obsessed with uh, Misawa and Kawada and Kobayashi. And it, uh, what a wonderful era of... I mean, if you look through Meltzer's, the list of all the five-star matches that Meltzer has given out from Wrestling Observer, they're nearly all from that period. It is just a wonderful, wonderful time for professional wrestling in Japan. And and to be able to... If there was any way I could obviously bring the the, the late Misawa back to life and have him in his prime in the ring at the Electric Ballroom... I don't know what I'd do. I love New Japan now. Don't worry, New Japan now would be a close second. But, oh, my Lord. What what a period for wrestling that was. If you're not familiar with it, there's a lot of it on YouTube. Go back and, and observe some All Japan from the mid-90s. Just the way the match is built was just... I think it's what made me fall in love with the style of wrestling that I would I would like to see all the time. Was going back and getting long play tapes from America that had six hours of these matches on with Japanese commentary. Just And all, often the hard cam would be a weird sort of isometric 3D angle as well. So it was often a little bit strange, but just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful time to be watching wrestling. If could, not just if we could cross promote, if I could ever travel back in time and just go and see some wrestling, it would be from that period. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful time. Burak Sezgin, who I think I owe dinner to. Is it Burak I owe dinner to? Um, uh, hey, Burak says, favourite storylines to watch as a fan? I've picked three for you, Barack. Um, two from the same company. Um, uh, two from the same company and two are essentially the same storyline. You'll see what I mean. So the first one will be the Ring of Honor Summer of Punk, where he won the Ring of Honor title and basically said, I'm leaving with this. This is mine now. Um, it was a wonderful couple of months period in Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor was really hot then as well. So that, and then they obviously they replicated that same storyline, kind of in WWE when he won the title. One of my favorite matches ever. Won the title. Punk won the title from John Cena. Twenty eleven Money in the Bank. I even as a smarter fan as I am, I was not expecting him to win. It was in his hometown. Everyone thought he was leaving. I thought he'd lose. Um, he didn't lose. He won and then hopped over the guardrail and disappeared with the title belt. And my mind was blown. Genuinely, even though I'm, and you can sit there now and go, no, I expect it to happen. No, you didn't. You didn't. You liar. 
Okay, so that blew my mind. But that was essentially the same storyline, but transmitted into a bigger company. My other um, favorite storyline, I think this is probably my favorite ever storyline, was the Ring of Honor Age of the Fall idea, which was a brilliant way of not just using your television time and your time doing promos at live events, but bringing into it social media and forums and messing with the fans, <clears throat> with the fans' minds. An absolutely wonderful storyline. I, I believe responsible for it was Jimmy Jacobs was one of the wrestlers involved. Uh, the the artist now known as Seth Rollins who was Tyler Black at the time, and I think Gabe Sapolsky was booking Ring of Honor. And it's brilliant. Again, it's one of those things. If you get a chance to go back and and watch through this, it just mind blowing stuff, both done in the ring and outside of the ring. And and I I I, I think it's one of those storylines that's. That's super hard to beat. I'm really, really proud of of the two year long Jimmy Havoc story. Jimmy Havoc, then Will Ospreay added in storyline arc that we did in progress. Uh, that will I, I will I genuinely think I will take to my grave as one of the best things creatively I've ever been involved in. I include all the all the comedy stuff I've ever done. Uh, I still think the thing that the three of us and the talent put together for that um, I'm super proud of. Super, super, super proud of. Um, and it's a joy to have been involved with that and seen the reaction that Jimmy got, you know. Um, but no, I think, I think in terms of outside of my own company, Ring of Honor: Age of the Fall storyline is is mind blowing. It's tremendous. Sean, no last name, uh, with limited English. Do you think it'll be possible for Asuka slash Nakamura to main event? Um, one of those, yes. I don't think Asuka will... I think she'll main event an NXT show. I don't think she'll necessarily main event a main WWE show. And that's not because she's Japanese. It's because she's a woman. And I still think we're a little way off of a women's match headline in a WWE pay-per-view. We're getting closer than ever before. Definitely. Huge steps have been taken in the last six months uh, on the WWE main roster. And that's to be applauded. Well done, WWE. But I don't necessarily think Asuka will main event. Um... I don't know. Her English, I think, might be a bit better than Nakamura's at the minute. Here's the thing. It's not hard to learn another language if you really, really want to put your mind to it. I'm aware that Japanese culture is so far removed from, from a lot of Western culture that it is quite difficult to learn the language. Um, I've heard that Nakamura can speak a bit of English already because he has wrestled for RevPro in this country and, and, and guys who work for Progress have wrestled him. Um, so I think with Nakamura, he will end up main eventing if they necessitate, they, he might end up becoming a Paul Heyman guy, maybe. That would work, wouldn't it? Because Brock's not a talker. Main eventer. You give him, you put Nakamura with Paul Heyman, have Paul Heyman talk for him, and then Nakamura's natural charisma is the thing that will put him in a main event. There are people who don't get wrestling who could watch Nakamura and just go, I don't know why, but I love that dude. He has the mysterious ingredient X that every single wrestling promoter looks out for. And I think Nakamura will main event. He, he could learn amazing English, be able to speak English. But I think it's much more likely they will put him with a good manager. And it, there's, the sky's the limit for Nakamura. You only have to look at the reception he got at NXT. That is going to be transmitted onto main WWE shows, even if he's not the family-friendly wrestler that that people would expect him to be. I still think he can do amazing things on main roster shows. And he will. Just, you know, let's all be patient. Daniel Hayden and Sam Green asked the same question, pretty much. Uh, Do I watch Lucha Underground and thoughts on it as a show? I watch it from time to time. I don't regularly watch it, purely because it's a bit of a faff watching it in the UK. Um, I do like it. I like it for a few reasons. One, the talent on the show is great. There's some fantastic wrestlers on that show. Um, And also the presentation of it is different. It's nice to try and do something different. When we started Progress, we tried to be a little bit different to other indie companies, and I think we are. I mean, there's elements of what we do that is very similar to other indie companies, but there's bits about our presentation, our atmosphere that are different. I think the great thing about Lucha Underground is they've realized they're not going to be able to compete with WWE's television product. So what they're trying to do is put on something different, something that has a different feel to it. It feels dingier and I mean that in a good way it feels grimier it feels like it is literally underground and I think that is a tremendously positive positive thing to do anyone can try and ape what WWE are doing but every other company's got less money than them so why try and ape what they're doing why not try and be different it's the same if you're an independent company 
everyone can try and do the same thing as each other or we could all try and be different. I think that's the interesting thing about British independence, certainly the big ones, is we all... We're all trying to put on great shows, but we all feel a little bit different to each other and we're all distinguishable. And that's a great thing. Lucha Underground is one of the most distinct products in the world and that is definitely to be applauded. Ben Owens. Who are you most excited to see Nakamura, there he is again, um, face on the main roster? I don't know, it's tricky because it's difficult imagining who's going to be there when he's called up. I, I for one, and this is gonna it's gonna take away quite a lot of my smart fan cred. I'd really like to see him face John Cena because it's a clash of two cultures. Stick with me on this. It's on one hand, it is the absolute personification of American wrestling over the last decade. Now, whether or not you like John Cena, and I, I mentioned this in the last full episode, I've learned to have a better appreciation for John Cena because I've realised he's been in loads of great matches. I just, once I stop being a smart fan and going, oh, why don't turn him heel? Well, people already boo him. So for some people, he already is a heel. They don't need to. But I think he's the personification of WWE over the last decade. And I think Nakamura, and some people would argue it could be Tanahashi. Some people would argue it could be Okada. Um, Nakamura is the personification of the last decade of New Japan, to me. So to have those two face each other for me is a bit of a dream match because it's, you know, I, I love w, I love New Japan, but I love WWE. Again, I wouldn't be a wrestling fan without WWE. So I'd love to see those two face off. From a pure smart fan, wrestling fan point of view, Kevin Owens, I would imagine. But I'd like to see anyone wrestle Kevin Owens. I'd like to see your mum wrestle Kevin Owens. Maybe not your mum. Okay. Dave Higgins. Um, the most important, the most important thing I learned going from fan to promoter. I'll tell you what it is, Dave. It's really hard being a promoter. Like I always expected it to be, but it's really hard. Like it's proper hard. It, there's days when it's not fun. There's days when the only thing I focus on is we have a great show, and you know, in Touchwood, most of our shows have been pretty well received. We have a great show, and there's one person who doesn't like something on it. It's exactly the same as the one person in a comedy club who isn't laughing at my jokes when 199 other people are. I, I, I tend to focus a lot on on one or two negatives than I do all of the positives. And that's, that's a, a thing I, I don't think I was expecting. I wasn't expecting to be quite as thrown by criticism as I can be. I'm getting better with it. The bigger we get as a company, the more we'll get. So I'm trying to get better with it, and I think I am. Um... I think as well, there was little things that we didn't know. Like when we put our first show on, like Colt Cabana had to explain loads of stuff to us because we didn't know what we were doing. We'd been to see shows and we were fans, but we didn't know what we were doing. So, you know, little things like we didn't know that it's best to have heels come out first. Didn't know that. So, you know, Colt Cabana sat us down and went, no, let's change your running order. And we did. And, and that made a bit of a difference. So a lot of the little things. And also, let's not forget, we're still learning now. You know, four and a bit years into starting progress, we still we still don't know it all. I think if you walk away going, oh, we've, we've got this sussed out, then that's the point when your shows start suffering. So we always still want to learn. I think the other difficult thing going from fan to promoter is is just the business side of it. Is On one hand, there's a big list of, of matches I'd love to put on on progress shows. But we don't have the money to do that, or people don't have their diaries. You know, they don't have the space in their diaries to come out and do it, and and it's and it's pacing it as well. It's very easy to think, oh, we could put this match. Oh, so this person's done this to this person, so we'll put this match on the next show. But then, then you've finished it. You've finished an angle straight away, and it's learning to pace the storylines um, in a way that sometimes fans might find frustrating. But I think our fans now know that there will eventually be a payoff to it. It just might take nine months because we, that's how we like to put things together. We don't just like to do something on one show and have it blown off on the next show. That seems pointless. So learning the pacing was difficult as well. I'll be honest with you, Dave. Tons of stuff that I learned was important. Everything I've learned uh, going from fan to promoter has been important equally. It's... Uh, it's it's mind-blowing now if I sit back and think about how little we knew at our first show compared to what we know now. And final question for this little mini-episode from Bad News Brown. Brown with an E. Um, I think it's quite cool. Do I get nervous um, when a crowd member tries to interact or confront a heel? Um, 
Does it annoy or scare me? Now, it doesn't annoy me unless the fans go too far. We've The only thing that annoys me that fans do is throwing stuff in the ring because it's dangerous, especially during a match. You throw something during, into the ring during one of our matches, I will find you and remove you myself. Like, because that's, it's not on. The, anyone, the guys and girls who are in the ring entertaining you are there. They're risking their lives. It's genuinely dangerous wrestling. And if you put any wrestler in jeopardy during a match, you're an idiot. You're an idiot who deserves to never watch wrestling live ever again. If you confront a heel who gets in your face and you call him a bit of a dick, that's fine. That's totally fine. You know, I think the front row of our shows know know what how far is too far. Um, so it doesn't. I, I'm always a bit nervous about it because there is always there is always that threat of it going too far, but it never has. And I know that wrestlers know the difference between acting like a heel and being an actual bully, in a real life bully. So they know the difference and they've got it under control. It's part of their act to get in your faces. And to be idiots. That's the joy of being a good heel. Jimmy Havoc, brilliant heel. London Riots, when they were heels, amazing at being heels. The origin for us now, amazing heels. Paul Robinson, amazing heel. And and all a big part of their acts is getting in the fans' faces, rubbing people up the wrong way. But I'm always going to be nervous about it because you never know when a fan's going to have a bit too much to drink and take it too far, which is why we've got security there, which is why I've always got my eye on it, ready to interject. Um, only twice have I ever had to interject at progress shows. This isn't part of your question, bad news, Brown, but I'm giving it you as a bonus to you and every other Tuesday night jaw listener. I only twice have I interfered. Um, once was because someone threw something in the ring, and I went over and told them in polite circumstances if they threw that in the ring again, um, not only would they be thrown out of the venue, but they'd also possibly be nursing slightly bruised um, pride shall we say Uh, and they didn't do it again and they apologised and they bought me a drink which was wasted because I don't drink alcohol but fair play at least they apologised they got a bit carried away and I got very carried away in my reaction to it because I was annoyed because there was a match going on at the time the other time I'm about to interject was um, a match that involved someone we started talking uh, talking about at the start of the uh, podcast Um, a match involving Chris Travis uh, and Mark Andrews uh, and Will Ospreay, um, which was the was it was was Will Ospreay? I forget, but it was a, it was a multi man tag match. Now, Trav in his prime, as you'll remember him, had an amazing set of abs, set of abs that as a thirty seven year old man I'm never going to get. Mark Andrews, good looking young man, excellent, very talented wrestler, good pair of abs, pair of abs, set of abs, six of them in it. I don't know. So during this match, um, on several occasions. They will be outside, lying on the floor outside the ring, selling. Because it was a multi-man match and you have to be able to build the space and time for the other competitors in the match to them to tell their stories. And whenever either of those two lads were lying on the outside, a man, an older man, conservatively in his late 40s, who was, weirdly, I don't know why I remember this, was wearing a pair of shorts. He was wearing shorts and flip-flops. And what he would do is, he was sat four or five rows back and he would walk... He'd get out of his seat, come to the actual ringside area, because we've got no fences, and he would stand over the fallen Chris Travis or Mark Andrews and just take photos of them from really creepily close up. Now, you'll know this. Progress, very inclusive environment. I know we have gay fans, uh, and we openly encourage it. We are the only wrestling company I'm led to believe, probably in the world, that makes a specific point of telling people not to ever say anything homophobic in the ring. Because if you do, you won't work for us again. It's something that we're seriously, seriously against. Any homophobia, transphobia, anything like that, we're really, really against it. My issue with this guy is nothing to do with, you know, possibly what he was getting out of these photos. It was the fact that he kept coming forwards to take the photos during a match where bodies were flying everywhere. And he didn't seem to care. He just really wanted pictures of those two lads' torsos. And did it the first time. I went over, told him to stop it. Uh, wasn't rude to him. I just said, listen, can you not get in the way? Because there's a match going on. And he went, okay. And went back and sat in his seat. Five minutes later, he's doing it again. Glenn goes over this time. When Glenn used to stand with me at ringside before he was doing commentary. 
And Glenn came over, went over to him and was polite to him, just like I was, and said, can you not do that? And he went, yep, no worries. And went and sat down again. Two minutes later, he's doing it again. Now, at this point, all the fans around him are saying to him, can you not do that? And trying to be polite. But he's starting to be rude to the fans around him. So I go over to him and say, look, listen, can you not do that? And he went, look, I've bought a ticket. I should be able to do what I want. And at this point was the point where I asked for him to be removed from the venue. And I think he's the only person I've ever had thrown out of a show because he was just, he was, well, our credo is don't be a dick. And unfortunately he was being a dick. Um, I don't know if he's got a wall of photos of wrestlers' torsos on, but it was a very, very, I mean, they're good looking lads. I don't blame you, mate, but, but come on, not during a match. And it must have been really weird for for the guys who were selling it, lying on the ground and like, you know, having one eye open and just spotting like someone's camera phone six inches away from you, taking photos of you while you're meant to be selling out injury on the floor. It was, it was a very bizarre moment. But that's the only time I think I've got super, super annoyed with fan interaction with the wrestlers. Most of the time, it's fine. I, I, I'm not a big fan of, of, of fans cheering for the wrong people, but it's your prerogative. You can cheer and boo whoever you choose to. So, you know, that's the thing that I think that bugs me more is people getting the, the, the wrong reaction rather than necessarily... If you're a heel and people are booing you and getting in your face, certainly in the bare pit of an atmosphere that is the Electric Ballroom or the Ritz in Manchester, that's kind of what... It's kind of what's going to happen. So, you know, I'm cool with it. Tell you what, I've rambled on. This is a mini episode, but it's still pretty long, isn't it? Hopefully, you've got some enjoyment out of it. We'll do one of these every couple of weeks. If I'm sat with someone, I can have a chat with them, interview them, we'll do one. Otherwise, I'll just answer your questions, do another top five list. Don't forget, you can send me questions. You can send me points. You can just have a natter with me on Twitter, at Jim Smallman. Uh, if ever you want to chat about Tuesday Night Jaw, use the podcast. Hashtag, uh, use the podcast. Use the hashtag for the podcast. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Um, don't forget as well, please, please spread the word about this podcast to people. Tell people to subscribe to it on iTunes. We're not going to bombard you with loads and loads of episodes. Tell people to subscribe. Obviously, the next main episode is going to be in a couple of weeks after Payback. Uh, the Tuesday after Payback, uh, we'll all get together. Uh, it'll be me and three guests. Uh, I don't know if Pip's around for that one, so Pip might not be around. Um, but if he is, uh, he'll be on board. If not, I'll get other guests from the world of entertainment, the world of wrestling, and we'll have a chat about wrestling in general. It'll be about Payback, the Raw after Payback, and a load of other stuff because we've not got WrestleMania weekend, so we'll have a bit more space to talk about other things and go off on other tangents. So do, please tell people to subscribe if you subscribe already brilliant rate and review us on itunes all that sort of stuff just let people know about us because we want to grow this we want this to be one of the most successful wrestling podcasts in the world and i appreciate that's a weird thing for a man sat in his lounge in north wales to say but the support we got from the first main episode was tremendous so let's keep that going in terms of progress well, we have a show this coming Sunday in London. It's already sold out. We've got our two Global Cruiserweight Series matches on there, which was weird having our matches announced on WWE.com, but we're super grateful to them. So that's this coming Sunday. If you're coming along to the show and you've listened to the podcast, just come and high-five me. Don't even explain the high-five. We'll look each other in the eyes and we'll know why the high-five has happened. Do it. Don't let me down. Just come up to me and high-five me. Don't tell me why. I'll know you're a listener to the Tuesday Night Jaw. It's the secret code. Um, so yeah, we've got that. Also tonight, because tonight is a Tuesday. Uh, tonight tickets go on sale for our next Manchester show, which is on June Sunday, June the nineteenth at the Ritz in Manchester. Our last Manchester show, I wasn't there. It's the first progress show I've missed, and I've watched it back, and it was, I think, the best Manchester show we've done. So Sunday, June the nineteenth, chapter thirty-one. It's called "All Hail the New Puritans." If you know why it's called that, you win a prize. Um, you don't win a prize. Um, but the tickets go on sale tonight, 10 o'clock tonight, progresswrestling.com. There's a tickets link. Click on tickets. You'll need a password, which we will reveal on Twitter and on Facebook and on our mailing list. So don't worry. It's just a pre-sale thing that we have to do. Um, you'll need a password. But get tickets tonight for it if you can. It'd be great if we can fill the Ritz again on Sunday, June the 19th. Um, other than that, the next two London shows are sold out. So this coming Sunday, sold out. And also uh, Super Strong Style 16 over the May Bank holiday is also sold out. So um, you might be able to get some returns via our website, but at the minute, they're sold out. So sorry. So the next show you can actually buy tickets for is in Manchester, June the 19th. And obviously tickets are on sale for our huge show at the um, Brixton Academy 
uh, on September the 25th. I think we've sold two thirds of our tickets, which I'll be honest with you, is mind blowing. I will have been a new dad for about six weeks at that point, and I'm going to walk out at the Brixton Academy in front of a load of wrestling fans, and it's going to be nuts. So if you are thinking, oh, it's difficult to get tickets to a London Progress show, that's the one you need to come to. Seriously, come to it. It's not particularly expensive. We managed to keep the prices down because we want people there and we want people to enjoy our product and spread the word about our product. So come down to that. Um, The tickets are available. You'll you'll go to our website, progresswrestling.com, click on shows. You can click on the link to that show, chapter 36. Um, and you'll be able to see the link to buy tickets because we're not handling the ticket sales for that. Uh, Ticketmaster, uh, not Ticketmaster, Ticket Web are and Live Nation who are promoting the show for us. So do come along to that. Brixton, Sunday, September the 25th. That's about it. I've done all the plugging I need to do. You've probably not even listened this long. If you have listened this long, um, well done. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate you getting through all the plugs at the end. Don't forget, this uh, particular podcast is part of the Distraction Pieces Network. Super grateful to Scroobius Pitt for letting us be part of it. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks for our next main episode. Don't forget, keep questions on that coming to us. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. And I'm Jim Smallman on Twitter. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, we're super grateful of the support you've given this podcast so far keep spreading the word hope you enjoyed this little mini episode and we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business like that let's put it online and see what happens stage and the site is live that we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage thanks you're all set that count it up and ship it around the globe stage this one's going to Thailand and that Wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 